Utah's offense did not score a touchdown in the first quarter versus San Diego State. Is this something to be concerned about, or is this just a one-time aberration? We're talking about it on today's episode of Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We do greatly appreciate it. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Always appreciate you guys liking it and subscribing to our show, and we would love to hear your feedback as well. My name is JT Wistersill, former student intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about this Utah offense. Do they need to start faster going forward? Is this something to be concerned about? Also diving into Utah's offensive line, how they are coming along, and evaluating what Jalen Glover's role in the backfield is going to be going forward now that Chris Curry is out. And in order to help us break all that down, it's friend of the show and former host of this podcast, Brian Brown, joining us. And Brian, it's been an interesting topic of debate lately is, is the offense starting slow? Is this a concern going forward? And I think if we're looking at it as something you used to do on this show and it's kind of a true false kind of game and way, I think there is some truth to it, especially against San Diego State. I just saw some things that concern me, especially from a mental standpoint. You see missed blocks, missed assignments. I saw drop passes. I saw a couple of inaccurate throws from Cam Rising, just things that you want to be perfect on a first drive. And I just don't feel like Utah has reached their peak yet where we do. I just don't want to see those mental mistakes. If guys are, hey, it's outstanding coverage. No one is open. I can, I'm okay with getting beat by better opponents eventually. Obviously, you're going to be able to beat the likes of San Diego State, but especially going forward in the season, I just don't want to see this team beat themselves and miss and not capitalize on missed opportunities so that i am a little bit of concerned about even though it's only the third game of the season yeah and i think some of that is shell shock from the florida game right because i mm-hmm. think everybody's you know adjusting to that one but it, utah was a 21 point favorite and they won 35 to 7 and if we're being uh colloquial let's say that like, you know just you and me chatting at the bar after a friday night on uh doing some ksl rewind um utah basically allowed a touchdown because the officials wanted them to right uh second unit was in for almost the entire second half this game was never really that close I, yeah. at one point in time utah had more passing touchdowns than or, or what was it had more well cam rising, had, cam rising had more completions through three quarters i believe than san diego state's three quarterbacks who were in the game correct and and, and I, I can't remember what the other the the punts like like san diego state has many punts as, as utah had passing touchdowns or something like that whatever it was passing completions it, it, it was a miserable game for san diego state you went through three yes. quarterbacks as you mentioned right this is a team that's built around running the football and uh i don't know if i you know if <laughs> Maybe I'm a little bit slow on the draw here, but it doesn't feel like uh, for for a rushing team that 113 yards rushing is good. Yeah. (laughs) So some of it is just, I think a lot of it is that everybody is well conditioned to seeing the things that you mentioned, right? There's no doubt that Makai Bernard dropped an easy one. Brant Keithy dropped an easy one, right? On that very first series, it was almost a calamity of errors, but I think it's, we love to go deeper. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so if, if you look at the surface, yes, like, you know, we we talk about drive charts, all that kind of stuff. If you go through the drive chart, it looks really ugly. Right. But then if you go through and break down the film, one of the big things that you always want to do against a three, three, five. And, and you and I were talking pre-show San Diego State showed seven different fronts 
in one great. series. It's a great point. Mm-hmm. Utah maybe shows four fronts, you know, in a game in terms of you know how they're aligned or or, or even or odd and and all that stuff is different. But one thing that I think was very noticeable to me was just the improvement in the pass protection. So it, first drive of the series, San Diego State never really rushed more than four. You know, so so it wasn't necessarily an issue of, of, of pass protection. Some of it was Cam having to adjust to the amount of guys that were in coverage, right? They're running a lot of quarters coverage, a lot of cover three with four guys in, you know, four guys underneath trying to make Cam throw accurately. And and he missed a few, you know, that's going to happen, right? Yep. Um, I think the other part of it too, like when you look back at the film, um, you know, Utah started out and wanted to go fast, and then they had all these interruptions and slowdowns. The, the review for the targeting, right? Mm-hmm. You know, dead ball whistles, yeah, all this really kind quick, of stuff. Way, that was weird that he wasn't ejected for the targeting because that's yeah. some pretty clear targeting. And they didn't even throw it initially. And then there was this whole confusion thing. It was a rough start for to the uh, for the officials to that game. <laughs> it was. And, and listen, it's Pac-12 officiating. And apparently, you know, if I say anything on Twitter, we're, we're, we're BYU fans or whatever it is, but this is the issue, right? This is the problem. This is why you expect consistency from these crews, because when that crew disrupts the flow of the offense, now all of a sudden they're out of rhythm. And, and why that's important is because Utah was in 12 personnel almost the entire time in that first series. And, and that matters because they were in four and five wide sets a lot of the time, meaning that they were splitting tight ends out, right? And And when you're mixing up personnel and stuff like that, if you go no huddle, it doesn't allow San Diego State to match it. doesn't allow them to, to adjust. If you look at the times where Utah went no huddle in that very first series, and in the first quarter alone, every single time that they went no huddle and San Diego State had to go to their base front, it was positive yardage for Utah. And one play that you and I kind of talked about pre-show was, you know, there was one where it looked like to me, as, as I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm an amateur here, and I'll, I'll post a video of it tomorrow or, or Wednesday uh, when I can get to it. Uh, but it looked like to me that Utah originally was planning on a slide protection, and that's where you slide out to try and and, and block whatever defenders are far out on the edge. It, it's a, you know, shortest way to a quarterback is that diagonal line straight inside, and and it looked like that they audibled off of that, and it looked like that whoever the running back was in on protection just didn't see the audible or, or didn't pick up the audible. And I think we found out after the game that, you know, Tavion Thomas had lost his aunt who was, you know, basically yes. his, his, his mother. And so some distraction there early on, very understandable. Right. And, and, and that for- play in that game for him to be like, I'm still going to go out there for my teammates, for my brothers, try to stand on there. Just incredible perseverance by him and truly a team player as well. And that just speaks to the character. He has a guy who's been through so much in his life to still go out there, fight and battle. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and so on the very first series of the game, for there to be that little tiny bit of miscommunication, uh, that's very understandable. So, so for example, you know, say we, we talked a lot about one of the things in the offseason that, that the coaching staff loved about Paul Miley was his ability to get the protection set quickly and to communicate. Right. So, if that's something that Paul's been praised for all season, you have to think that he's going to do it like right yes. off the bat and get to it. So maybe if the back is a little bit slow to see that. And so they start having two or three series where it's an issue. And all of a sudden they say, okay, let's double check. And, it, and I don't know if anybody enterprising out there wants to go watch the, the tape. You know, you can rewatch the game and see that, you know, there's hand signals, there are calls, there are things like that. Maybe go watch the tape, see if there's maybe a re a rerun or, or a little bit more um, tempo or, or, or urgency to get the signal to the running backs so they know the protection. And then all of a sudden it was just like everybody figured everything out, right? Like like yes. this, all of a sudden it just clicked in. 
Yeah, and you're right. Everything did click, and then it was flying like that. And I think my concerns are more so if that's going to happen going forward. Is it going to? Is it going to take a series for this team to click? Because let's just jump to a month from now. If you it takes a series or two to click versus USC, you could be down fourteen to nothing. And that I think is what my concern is. You talk about it's very correctable mistakes, and I'm glad they're happening early in the season. But I'm a little concerned that I do just want to see this team get off to a start where they do score on back to back their first two drives. They run smoothly. Yes mistakes are going to happen but i'd like for them to happen on first and second down and then see this utah offense overcome those mistakes which is something i don't feel like we've seen yet and that's the interesting part about it right is we're talking about mistakes in the general the the royal sense right of just mistakes in the universe Um, but when you break it down the mistakes aren't consistent right like it's not the same mistake every single time you know we've seen good protection from the offensive line but we've seen little things like a back missing a hole right or a back missing protection or on the particular play like the one that i was talking about you know somebody misses a protection so cam gets flushed out of the pocket and now he's trying to make a throw and it's, it's the exact same play that utah runs in the rose bowl to perfection where Makai Bernard reaches out and catches the touchdown pass. Well, because Cam's flush and has to throw off his, his he's not even off, throwing off his back foot. He's just throwing off platform completely. Like True. he's trying to go full Pat Mahomes on this one. And so because of that, you know, the ball hits the DB in the back rather than leading Makai out like we've seen before. I think the things that if if I'm zeroing in on it, it's the Brant Keithy dropping an easy ball in the first half, right? Like like that's yeah. one where it's just like that's out of character for Brant. You know for what sure. I mean? And, and it's the things where it's just like, you know, that particular first drive, Utah goes down and scores if we don't have all these weird interruptions along the way. And there was there was one play where a San Diego State player had gotten hurt. He'd run off the field and then they called the injury timeout and he was already off yeah, the field. Right. And it was just like that kind of stuff disrupts your rhythm, especially if you're trying to go no huddle. And and I don't think we saw that stuff in, against Sandy or Southern Utah. You know, I don't think we saw the same thing against Florida. Um, so it's not seeing a consistent mistake, you know. Um, I think we saw a lot of things in the game on Saturday where Satao Laumea is still adjusting from going to guard to tackle. And and so those are the things where it's like if we're seeing repetitive mistakes and and I think the big thing that we're overlooking when we're talking about all these alleged slow starts. And I'm not saying that like they didn't start slow against San Diego State because they did. Mm -hmm. But it's just it's not the same mistakes that we're conditioned to seeing. It's not. Yeah, it's not backers blitzing on the run, but what 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 we are seeing is improvement on the defensive side of the football, especially yes. the the defensive line. Oh, 100%. Junior Tafuna is a guy Kyle Whittingham specifically pointed out to in his presser today and talked about the just in general, the defensive line. They have all been mm-hmm. outstanding. In general, the defense has looked lights out. They have gotten off to fast starts against inferior opponents, which is what you like to see. And as you mentioned, this is a Utah team so far that they've made a mistake and they learned from it. So mm-hmm. you just hope going forward each week you get better, you get more consistent where you don't see those mental mistakes and things pile yeah. up. And I think one thing to point out is that you're not having to, to adjust your protections as much against a team like Arizona state or uh, you know, Florida where they're not getting so exotic in their looks, but against a team like San Diego state. Yeah. You're going to have to call and change your protections a lot. So that's why this one's coming up in game three and not in game one. Right. And and you think about it like Paul Miley and uh, Tavion Thomas did not play a lot of games together last year. So right. they're still trying to get on the same page as well. It was mostly Nick Ford at center for, for most of the year. So there are always those little things. And if you can make those mistakes and still win 35 to seven, like that's a big win. You know, I think, you know, we talked earlier, I'm a, I'm a Bill C believer. Uh, the SP plus is one of my, you know, my go-tos, my, my stat Bibles. 
along with uh, Parker Fleming and, and a few others, he says in his stat analysis that, you know, Utah handled its business and, and <clears throat> it's very clear that they did. But the one thing that he's concerned about is explosiveness. And I think that is actually becoming an issue, right? Like explosive mm-hmm. plays are not nearly consistent as they need to be for Utah. And, and so I think, you know, that's the one where it's like, now we got to start seeing some explosive plays as they get into conference play. 100%. And one of the things, Brian, you were talking about as pertains to some of the issues this Utah team has had, those singular issues, as you mentioned, has been communication along the offensive line and guys like Satawa Laumea getting settled in in a new position. We're going to talk more about the offensive line and how they've fared through three games so far this season in just a second. But first, I want to tell you guys about Upside. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. Guys, Upside is super easy to download and set up, and as it mentioned, you guys can start saving some money and getting some cash back. So to get started, download the free Upside app or use the promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the businesses, pay as usual with credit or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or or more using promo code locked. So Brian, as we come back in and you take a big drink of water, trying to sneak one in on me. <laughs> no sneaking there, man. I gotta, I gotta stay hydrated. <laughs> like, uh, like everyone should. And that's something that look, this team, and that's something, Hey, this Utah team did a really good job going back to Gainesville, staying hydrated overall, only a few cramps. And one of the biggest things with the Gainesville game we were all excited for was to see this new look offensive line for the first time. And now we're three weeks in with this offensive line. And overall, I feel like this is a really strong group for this Utah team. As you kind of talked about, maybe a couple times early on, there's some pressure that breaks through some minor mistakes, but it's something they do clean up and fix. So I am feeling really good about this group. Obviously a a lot better than we were a year ago about the offensive line, especially going against an Arizona State team where I feel like they obviously have the edge. If I was to name a concern with the offensive line, I think it is the Laumea's adjustment out at right tackle. I think it is. It hasn't – look, that's a really hard switch to make, and I think you've seen some of the growing pains, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see some teams continue to try to attack him. But the one thing I'll say, I want teams to actually attack him earlier in the season because I feel like he learns so much from each of those mistakes. So by the time he gets to the end of the year – I think he's going to be a really good right tackle. Yeah, and, and I think the interesting part about it is, is this fan base echoes its head coach so intensely, right? Where it's just they want to see perfection. They want to see every single uh, flaw, any potential mistake eliminated completely. Like, that's you're never going to play a completely flawless game at the beginning of the year. You don't want to play those games at the beginning of the year. Like you said, you want to make these mistakes while you can. And I think especially where Utah's schedule sets up these first four games, if you're winning by 28, by, uh, sorry, quick mass, uh, 66, you know, and then a loss on the road to an SEC team, which, you know, again, well, go back and rewatch. That. Yeah, go back and rewatch that tape. You know, I, I think Utah had every every opportunity to win that game, you know, just, just a, yeah, a little bit sluggish and, and, and we can, you know, uh, humidity did play a factor, just not the way we expected it, right? It was just the slipping and, and the, you know, the falling and the, the tripping and everything like that. Um, Utah's really in a good spot right now. 
Um, and I think <clears throat> the interesting part about it is that they're coming into a game against Arizona State where athlete versus athlete, Utah is the far superior team. Um, the, the, the unique part about this football team and, and, and the Kyle Whittingham era is that they want to get to 72 plays, 75 plays on offense. So what they want to do is they want to be efficient and explosive early on in the game and then just grind you down. And that's really where this offensive line starts to shine is, is in those later moments. And so if you watch by quarter, you know, the rushing margin, Utah was almost 10 yards per rush against Florida. So, so this unit is doing their job, right? It's just everything else that's trying to fall into place. And, and I think sometimes we talk about the hype too much, not, not too much, but when we talk about the hype, the fan expectations that for that to appear instantly. Right. And we kind of neglect that. Uh, I think it was Cole Bishop was talking about it in the post game after SDSU that like the scout team can do a great job and it's still a completely different experience when you're in the actual game. And so as this group still builds its experience and you mentioned Satawa kicking out, Michael Mokofisi is starting every game for the first time in his career. Uh, you know, so it's a group that has experience, but is still starting to get comfortable playing together. Um, that's a lot, you know, and, and, you know, we haven't even mentioned the fact that Braden Daniels went from right guard to right tackle to now left tackle mm-hmm. in the span of about 14 games. So, you know, I think sometimes the criticism is valid, but also there needs to be some understanding that like, even though there is criticism and there are, there are mistakes, like they're still just mulling people out there. No, the good far outweighs the bad for the offensive line. I think it's yeah. very minute things. And especially as you mentioned, it's a lot of minor mistakes that look, they were dealing with seven different fronts on the first series. I have, I can't even imagine what that was like, Brian, I struggled with just switching from one week to week back when I played in high school. So to deal with seven, that's something they're never going to have to deal with again, too. I just don't see yeah. any of these teams in the PAC 12 throwing out seven different fronts. So it makes it so much easier when you can just say, Hey, how do we prepare for multiple fronts? Well, we prepared for all these one different ones versus SDSU. And I don't know if they prepared for seven fronts, let's say, but I bet they at least prepared for five. And I don't even think they'll have to prepare for that many against another team. So it's just good practice, good reps going forward. And all the mistakes that have been made, whether it's Satawa Laumea's sack against Southern Utah, it was a very simple, correctable mistake. Um, Keaton Bills gave up an interior pressure in this game where I think he was just too locked in on the outside and didn't look back inside where the backers come in. Just mm-hmm. super correctable, simple things. And when you make a mistake like that, it's like when you get caught on in the classroom and you don't know the answer to the question and then the teacher tells you and you're all embarrassed because everyone's like oh he's not smart he didn't know it you don't forget going forward so i really think it's a good thing for this offensive line going forward yeah absolutely and you know i think the other thing too is is we got to give them their flowers as well because they're doing a great job in the run game utah is averaging almost five yards at carry which again if you run every time on first down that puts you at second and and second and brown bear second and average (laughs) right where um, like you're still on schedule and you can run plays. Like I think the big problem that we saw with Utah in that first quarter against SDSU was they got into a lot of third and long situations and they weren't able to convert every time. And I think that's the hard part about it when you're in the game and you're watching and, and listen, I was sitting in the stands on Saturday night. I was, I was frustrated leaving the game. I was, actually very angry (laughs) yeah i just i got it didn't it feel like felt like an uninspired effort didn't feel like it was a very good game you know i didn't think that they executed very highly and i i was actually really down on the game plan and then i went back and watched it removed from the emotion of the situation i'm like holy crap they had to deal with a ton of stuff 
early on in that fourth quarter that was so disruptive. And if you ever want to like, like cut out an internet meme, there's a clip of Kyle Whittingham giving the death stare to the officials <laughs> that someday I'm going to cut the emperor's March underneath. And you can just see him just staring. It's like, dun, dun, dun. Like Kyle's trying to kill you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then that was right. You know, right when they called the targeting. So that's all this stuff that kind of comes all encompassing. And, and, and I think when we talk about this off offensive line unit, the part that I love about this group is they always finish strong. You know what I mean? And and I, I, I guess my question to you is, is there a team out there that is so explosive that you can't, under, can't overcome a slow start um, in the Pac-12 right now? I, you know, I, I do think USC, I really think USC can overcome a slow start with their offense. I think anytime you got a guy like Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams, I think they are the lone one that could really do it. Look, there's a slim chance that if you catch Bo Nix on a good day, but I'm be honest, I don't think that's going to happen in there. So I think USC would be the only team. And would you feel the same way about the Trojans that I think if they got off to one, that's where I think it could spell trouble. Well, I mean, that's the hard part about it, right? So, so USC is currently 10th. In the Pac-12, in terms of sacks allowed, the only schools who have allowed more sacks are Washington State and Cal. Washington State's bringing, okay. breaking in a D2 quarterback. So so that means that USC is susceptible to something, right? Very true. Pressure. <laughs> what does Utah yes. do extremely well right now? Pressure, right? Like we saw the pass, the, the pass rush explode, in essence, yeah. against San Diego State. And you've seen that Utah started to introduce personnel and like Simone Peppa, you know, de the return of Devin Kafusi was a welcome addition. And he and Peppa in, in that one three combo really make a great team. And I think even in the past pass rush, it was it, it was really good. Um, you know, you're seeing Lander Barton just take these explosive steps forward. I got mean, a shout out post game from oh, he of course he did. <laughs> yeah, and I have no idea what Kyle Whittingham was doing during film session. He's probably just giving himself a hug, saying he's mine for another two, three years, maybe two, three he was, years. He was doing the same thing about Jalen Glover too. He was yeah. doing about him. He's got both those guys locked exactly. up exactly. And and so I think you know the hard part about it is that that Florida loss really leaves a lot of emotional uh, baggage, sure. you know. Um, but like, again, you know, that USC team is going to have to deal with a hornet's nest with Utah's pressure. So are they going to be able to jump ahead on him? You know, in 21 points in the first quarter, Utah's yeah, still not like turning like, the ball over, right? Highly, yes, for sure. That's not very likely they jump out to 21 points. I was right? going to talk about a 14 to nothing and just depending on the game of the day. But as you mentioned mm -hmm. as well, this is the nice thing with this pass rush unit. These guys were so young and we knew they'd get better as the year got along, went along, but I'm genuinely surprised and really excited about how quickly they have come along it's true and i think the wild part about it is like they weren't even that clean in the game against san diego state but came away with two and a half sacks that's that's much improved and again we know that san diego state was not planning on throwing the ball very much um so it's just i think it was that they had more pun attempts than pass attempts i can't remember the stat i should uh, it's gonna Either way, sure. I mean, if you watch the game, you saw that Jack yeah. uh, Brock Burmeister is not the guy. <laughs> basically, yeah. well, neither or was anyway, uh, yeah. um, Hamlock, was, the other one. Thought Crum was in there as Haskell, well. So. Yeah, I mean, it was just a it was a revolving door not that good. was bad. That's all yeah. that matters. Yeah, so it's not great, be Bob. Yeah, <laughs> seven total completions, JT. You and I could get that done. I promise you, we could get <laughs> seven completions. Got chemistry, at least. I mean, yeah. <laughs> let's 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 get Brady Hoke to let us run dual QB. You and me, yeah. just like <laughs> pass the ball back and forth until one of us can hit one downfield. 
<laughs> oh, that would be incredible. Um, but yeah, put a stamp <laughs> on this offensive line. I have, yeah, all the faith in the world in them. I still think this is one of the best offensive lines in the Pac-12. I think very well top three. And by the end of the year, very well could be considered the clear best. I still might take them over any other group personally. But yeah, I, I mean, Pac-12 especially, right? Like there's not, not another group out there that's outperforming. Maybe Washington, you know, but the other part of it too that's been exciting is watching the twos get in and do the exact same thing, you know? So I think top to bottom, this group is really evolving and growing. And again, I think what it is, 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 is I, I mentioned it in the pre-show it's, you know, third and scally it's, it's losing in November. It's, it's the white uniforms. It's all these curses, you know, that take a little time to, to resolve um, because they kind of get stuck in, in fans heads. Um, but that's why you and I are here to watch the film, to break the games down, to review the things and, and, and really kind of open, open eyes and, and, shed light on the situation 100 and speaking of opening eyes i think one thing a lot of people are curious about right now is jalen glover's new role with this offense because it felt like look chris curry didn't get when did he start to get the ball brian was that in the second quarter or was it even in the third when he started he did not get a ton of carries and you could see that they're really trying to get makai bernard involved in the game plan but you know curry i think the the interesting thing was curry got carries early on against florida yes right continued against suu so we did see a lot of him you know, throughout the course of the season so far. And, and the injury is a heartbreaking thing for sure. For because, sure. You know, Chris is a guy that I think we were all rooting for. Yes, 100%. And glad he's going to be back with this Utah team next year where he's going to have a chance to expand his role with this offense. But that was kind of going to be one of the interesting things to see coming out of this game if Curry didn't get hurt is what does Chris Curry's role in this offense look like? Because it felt like Jalen Glover's role in this offense going forward was going to be what it was in the Florida game, non-existent. Now there's a glimmer of hope for him. So if I put the over under at carries for Jalen Glover per game at three, are you taking the over or the under in that? Mm. For for next week or for throughout or just the season? going forward on the season, what he'll average over. The- yeah, I'm I'm hounding that over hard. Yeah. So I think I think really what it is is Jalen brings so we're still seeing some things from him where he's not quite there, right? Like where he's learning how to hit the angles and, and what you know when to hit the hole. But what is there is clearly the instincts, the the vision, he's the balance, yeah, the, the the tough hard running. You know, he's very good with you know, we haven't seen him be loose with the football, which uh, that's a huge thing with Kyle Whittingham and any team that he's ever coached is, is you got to protect that football. Um, so I think that's the kind of stuff that we're, we're definitely going to make, you know, there we're going to see more of Jalen Glover. And the other part about it too, is you know, he's a freshman that they really want to get involved because Tavion's gone next year. Tavion's um, gone. Yeah. And Makai could very well be as well. I mean, people forget, look, he's only, he's been with this team for four years when you've been in college for four years as well. Like he might want to go test the waters too. So we don't know if either of those guys will be back. And as you mentioned, Tavion is definitely going to be gone and Makai is very much so up in the air. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, as we go back to looking at our, our friend, Bill C, Bill Conley and his statistics, he's getting 7.7 yards per touch. So that's, you know, again, we're, we're, almost eight yards every single time he's touching the ball. That's a big thing. The only, the only guys on the team that are any better, uh, well, uh, that were better during the San Diego state game were Devon Vele, who had nine and a half yards and Dalton Kincaid, who had 12.7. But again, Dalton only had, I think three catches and, and Devon had, had more, um, you know, whereas uh, I believe Makai had 10 total touches, if I'm not mistaken. So again, that, that kind of explosion is easy for people to see, What's, what's going to be hard is that he's not going to put up the pure numbers that most people would correlate with being an explosive back. Um, he is younger. You know, he didn't get, he entered school when he was 17. So I think that does maybe play a role in things where he could possibly stay for four years and, and then, you know, or, or stay another year and, and then leave for the NFL. 
Um, but I think regardless, this team knows that they're going to need a diverse uh, set of players and it's going to require Makai. It's going to require Tavion. It's going to require Jalen. And they're going to need to get all these guys up and going for that slate where they hit UCLA, USC, Washington state. Um, and then I think it's actually uh, Oregon state right before UCLA too. Like, like that's a brutal stretch. You're going to need all those guys ready to go. Yeah, it is good to have the depth, and it's why we heard, even hear guys like Charlie Vincent going to be elevated as well. Some of the other guys on this Utah team get those opportunities. So, I mean, going back to answering my own initial question, I do think I do think he'll for sure get over three against Arizona State because, look, I don't think it's going to be a very good game. I think that team's in disarray. I'm going to turn it over to you in a second, and I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on that game are going to be. But as it pertains to Glover, it's going to be interesting because he is a ver- the version of him we're seeing right now is going to be drastically different by the end of the season as well. So it is how much you trust him at the moment. I'll go with the under for three carries per game overall, because I do think this Utah team is going to be in a decent number of close games and it's nothing against Jalen. I think Jalen is a fantastic back. He is the future of this Utah offense to me. That's how just how good I think Tavion and Nakai are where it's tough to take them off the field. That's why I think he won't be able to get, I think he'll get one to two carries per game and then they'll kind of rotate their stars back in there because I think both those guys are two of the better backs and the PAC 12 for sure. And even if we're doing in the country, I think if you're talking about backfield tandems, I think, Makai Bernard as well as Tavion Thomas are right up there. And Brian, would you agree with that? Absolutely. And and I think, you know, this is this is a unique conference where there are a lot of talented backs. You know, there's Charbonnet at UCLA. There's uh the the big oh what's his name now? I can't remember at Oregon State. He's a really talented back. Um and so that's a real feather in Utah's cap to have that kind of um production out of their running back position. And I think you're right, you know, this is this is a team and a, a unit that, um, you know, has to continue to get that that run pro- production. Um, I will be curious to see how much Jalen gets used and and even, you know, what the status of Tavion Thomas will be. Because I, I think if yes. I think Whittingham mentioned that they weren't exactly sure if he's going to be available for the game or not and how that influences the offense as well, because that's a that's a di- very dynamic change in terms of the type of run run game you're going to produce. For sure, Tavion's such a powerful back guy. He's able to chug ahead for those tough yards. And you obviously don't have backs as strong as Tavion if Jalen does try to step in and fill that role. So be interesting to see how that does change. Sean Fenwick from Oregon State. I'm okay, sorry. Okay, there you go. Sean yeah. Fenwick. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Name to watch. Check him out in a few weeks. One thing I, I will say for my over-under on three carries, I, something gives me this crazy feeling that in the last game of the regular season, Jalen Glover is going to have more than three carries would you feel the same way brian oh absolutely yeah <laughs> i think i think you know you get to he had what nine carries was it against uh, san diego state mm-hmm. oh, that sounds yeah. right so nine carries against san diego state you know, yeah, yeah. So, so you're gonna see some some carries from him. i think the, the hardest part is that utah's always going to try and hit that 70 play threshold and so you've got so many weapons you have to think you know there's just only so many guys that can spread the ball around to very true. And one thing that's going to be interesting to see if this Utah team can continue to spread the ball around this Saturday versus Arizona State. Of course, Herm Edwards just fired. I will say this as well. I don't think he was he was not fired on the field. I no. think it could have been one of those things like, hey, we'll see you tomorrow, buddy. Yeah. Like, I mean, he probably like knew it was coming, but it wasn't like they went, hey, you're done. Like that obviously didn't happen. So getting that out of the way really quick, just wanted to say as, as clueless as Herm has been throughout his tenure yes. at Arizona State, I think he even he knew that it was coming. So yes, yes. You can't lose the Eastern Michigan. No, no, you not, cannot. No, 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 no
And if you're this Utah team and you want to accomplish the goals you want to accomplish this season, you cannot lose to an Arizona State team that's in struggle and limbo right now. So, Brian, what do you? How do you see this game playing out on Saturday? Well, I, I think everybody loves to 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 play to the whole like you know interim coach. Uh, they're going to be fired up, and and that's because I think we remember those kinds of games the most where it's like, uh, you know, nobody believed in us and, and we won it. But the reality is, is that I think the players kind of know that like, Nebraska. The, yeah, Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like the players know that they've kind of given up on them, like, and, and they're going to try and come out and fight. But even if this like staff was in, in full, like hundred percent efficiency mode, they're still out athleted at Arizona state. That's the biggest problem. And, and this has been a, a, a team that just, for whatever reason, they've recruited well up until a certain point, and then they haven't been able to translate it over. You know, they, they had an incredible offensive line unit for the past few years, and and then I think you know that's fallen off a little bit. The defensive line has never been as good as I thought it would be, um, and and they've lost a lot of talent. And I just I don't like <clears throat> the easiest way to break down a game is ask who's the better quarterback, and I don't think it's even close. In this not. One. It's not no Emory Jones. He's athletic. He can make some plays that will make get some first downs and things. Mm-hmm. He will also make plays that will lose you a game, and that's yeah. something that, for the most part, Cam Rising. I mean, look, let's take away the look. He made one mistake versus Florida, but outside of that, that game, even he was really strong. So he does. Mm-hmm. He's not that kind of quarterback. He's the guy who gets it done in the moments, and obviously, I feel the same way as well. But Brian, we always appreciate you stopping by. What are the couple of things you have coming up? Yeah, uh, so we'll tease it a little bit here, but um going to try out a new thing during the game. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit more on Twitter. You can find me at BrownBearSLC. Um, and then Friday, I'll actually be filling in on the drive with Porter Larson. So come have fun with us. For, I believe it's from 2 to 6 on that one. Um, so I'm excited about that. And then, of course, you can always find you and me doing some sorts of shenanigans uh, uh, along the high school levels as well. One of my favorite parts of this 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 season for sure that goes both ways my friend as is having you on this podcast each and every week so we always appreciate you stopping by if you guys are in the market for a second listen every day and you're interested in pac-12 talk head over to locked on pac-12 where host spencer mclaughlin and other local experts will take you around the conference in under 30 minutes spencer of course talking about the herm edwards firing as well as recapping a lot of the game's action from last week and previewing the upcoming matchups that have us excited about week four of the college football season with conference play getting underway make sure you guys keep it here for at the Locked On Utes podcast. we got a ton of exciting content coming up, as well as I got a new backdrop. So appreciate all of you guys for supporting the show and have a great day.